Hello, another episode of the Millsurf World podcast. Um, today we have a special guest with us, uh, Mauro Baudino. He is a firearms historian and author of three books, um, The Artillery Luger, which was published in 2003. And he is a uh, co-author with uh, Gerben von Blinderman of uh, The Parabellum is Back. And he also um, co-authored uh, Paul Mauser, His Life, Company, and Handgun Development with uh, Gerben von Blimmerman uh, back in 2017. Uh, he is also the curator of the Paul Mauser Archive. And um, we're very happy to have you on the uh, podcast today, Mauro. Thank you so much for joining us. It's, uh, it's a pleasure, Danny. I'm happy to be with you guys and um, tell uh, something about uh, Paul Mauser and the Mauser Company. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, you're you're very welcome. Thanks. It's it's great to have you on. I'm a, I'm a you know everyone kind of knows I'm a big um, Mauser fan, and you know there's a, there's a lot of Mauser fans in the United States because there's a you know a lot of Mauser rifles and pistols in the U.S. and um, yeah, just naturally you know my my interest have sort of led me down the path of your Paul Mauser book for sale. Um, you know maybe a year or so ago, and um, it's 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 a really good book. I, I have to say it's it's. Um, you you guys did a really good job in the writing of it and the history and everything in it. It's really amazing. Yeah, thank you. Um, so for those that don't know, um, you know, you're a curator of the Paul Mauser Archive, but what exactly is the Paul Mauser Archive? Um, yes, so I this is a good question because actually is uh, uh, as you can read also in our in our book is the main source of our uh, um, researches. Uh, so um, we have to say that the um, Mauser Archive is today, uh, let's say, um, organized in, uh, um, let me say, three different archives. One is the one that I'm curating, the Paul Mauser Archive. Then there is also another uh, very famous uh, Arab historian, it is John Speed, that uh, is also um, curating a big portion of the Mauser archive. And by the way, he also wrote uh, a book that is uh, most probably the, the, the reference, uh, the, 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 the Mauser archive book. And then there is also the um, uh, museum, the Waffen Museum in uh, Oberdorf am Neckar. It is the original city in uh, village city in, in Germany where the Mauser company was uh, located. And um, let's say the, um, these three uh, um, entities, collectors, and the dealing with this, uh, for my, I'm uh, dealing with a big amount of documents. Uh, in the book, they are mainly all described because these ones are really the source of our uh, study and researches. So we have, for example, Paul Mauser personal diaries, uh, telegram letter. Uh, blueprints, uh, uh, sales book, uh, and really a, a huge amount of documentation. And um, this documentation has been organized in a, in a specific archive, has been dig digitalized. So we don't need to really access anymore to the real document that is fragile, but we can just uh, use uh, the um, document that is on our computer. And uh, what is also very important is that my co-author, Gerben van Blimeren, made an incredible work translating uh, mainly all the uh, unwritten documents of Paul Mauser. He did a really good job because um, in addition to uh, be able to uh, read and translate all the German, he was also able to uh, learn how uh, Paul, Mauser, Paul Mauser was used to write. 
that sometimes is not uh, is not easy of course and uh, so this is this mainly this this big amount of documentation is our source of uh, um, study and uh, our Paul Mauser book is uh, mainly referring to this uh, documentation yeah this is mainly in short the the, the story of the Paul Mauser archive yes and it's really, you know, and, and reading your book, you know, you have a lot of pictures of these, you know, original documents from the from the Paul Mauser archive. And it's really it's really nice that these, you know, little things survived, you know, world wars and everything to, to yeah. you know, that's a lot of good information today. And um, Paul Mauser's diary pieces are really interesting because it, it yeah. seems he just write down thoughts on just about any piece of paper he had lying around. Yes, actually, actually, this is very, uh, very good. Uh, yeah, it's very um, correct remark because, uh, from what we can see from uh, his documents, Paul Mauser was used to write on any kind of paper. Sometimes we have notes written on the back of the restaurant receipt where he was writing uh, uh, appointments or even technical notes and stuff like that. So it was really writing um, all over. Sometimes was reusing uh, even uh, uh, letters from other people in order to write on this letter his own notes. So um, it is very, very interesting. And about the um, diaries, they are a very important source of information because they describe uh, Paul Mauser not only as a, uh, say, uh, inventor and uh, firearm designer, but also as a person. So it is possible to figure out and to uh, analyze relationship with the, between uh, parents, uh, between uh, relatives, between uh, um, enemies, and so on. So we have a complete overview about the Paul Mauser personality. Yeah. And that's, there's a surprising amount of, um, as you could say, maybe like drama sort of between the, the Mauser family. And um, you do learn kind of how the role of other members of the Mauser family played in the history of the Mauser company, which I thought was very, very interesting because uh, Paul Mauser, he was a, um, he was, he had 12 other siblings, I believe. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Um, yeah, let me say that the, the, the relationship between the different brothers um, is very um, interesting and uh, informative to analyze. Uh, for sure, the main uh, relationship is between uh, Paul Mauser and Wilhelm Mauser, because they um, set up the company in uh, 1872, just after that they uh, succeed with the um, competition for the Model 71 rifle in uh, in Germany. And um, the Paul and Wilhelm Mauser, they were the two uh, last uh, brothers, let's say. Uh, there was quite a big difference in age between Paul and Wilhelm and the other brothers and sisters. And um, this is also the reason why, for example, only the Paul and Willem, um, they were part of the Mauser company because the other others were already um, older and they have a different uh, work. For example, it's interesting that uh, Franz uh, Mauser was actually um, working in USA for Remington and uh, all the other brothers were working in different um, areas. And um, what is interesting to um, highlight uh, is that the uh, relationship between Paul and Willem was always uh, quite difficult. So um, it was, it is clear in the Paul Mauser diary 
it uh, was not easy the co the cooperation between the two brothers and um, when uh, um, Wilhelm Mauser passed away uh, at the age of, of uh, 47 years old in 1882, uh, Paul Mauser wrote an interesting note in his diary saying that, uh, uh, of course, he was uh, uh, terribly sorry for the, for the death of the brother, but uh, it was also evident that uh, a future cooperation will not work anymore. And then if uh, uh, Wilhelm was not uh, passed away, most probably cooperation between the two brothers will uh, uh, we split and they stop cooperating. So just to highlight that uh, the uh, relationship between the two founders of the Mauser company was not as good as people can uh, can think. Yeah. Wow. That's that's really something that most people really don't understand between them. You know. Um, oh, I, my understanding was that I, I heard that the you know the Mauser brothers worked very hard. Uh, I know Paul Mauser. He would work six days a week for maybe twelve hour days. Um, and I heard that Wilhelm Mauser, a lot of his uh, health problems that he had was came from working too hard, maybe overworking. Yeah, for sure, the, the two brothers, they um, had a very long uh, working day. Um, it was a difficult day. They, they work really long hours to succeed. And they split the work in, in this way, mainly... Paul was the uh, guy working in the in the, the laboratory in the workshop, uh, designing and uh, building uh, uh, the the firearm, the, the guns. While uh, Willem was more um, because was the older one, um, was more uh, involved in the management. The we will say in the public relations, and because of this, was uh, traveling a lot. Just to clarify, for example, when brothers come back. To, uh, from Liège in uh, 1879, and they start operating with the GPK in Spandau for the approval uh, and the introduction of the Model 71. Uh, Willem Mauser spent his time in Berlin, while uh, Paul was uh, in, in, in Oberdorf. And he spent the entire period uh, of the acceptance for the, for the rifle in, in Berlin. When, uh, when he was back, then uh, there was the Serbian contract, so he moved to Belgrado and he stayed for a long time in Belgrado. But because the contract in the, uh, with, with the Serbia was quite uh, difficult, he, he spent more, than, uh, more time than uh, uh, it was planning in the beginning. And this was for sure uh, um, impacting his health. It for sure was not good from the beginning. He was not an healthy guy. And the fact that he was always uh, traveling around Europe uh, created problems. For example, he, he traveled also to Russia uh, uh, in St. Petersburg to, to demonstrate the uh, zigzag revolver, the C-78 uh, revolver. So this kind of life was not really uh, helping. And in fact, uh, um, it is not really clear the reason why he passed away, but uh, uh, very young, at 47 years old, he, uh, he did, and uh, Paul Mauser then was uh, was alone in managing the company. Yeah. Now, uh, Wilhelm Mauser, you know, passing away in 1882. Um, like, what role do you think Wilhelm passing away kind of played into uh, Paul Mauser losing control of the Mauser company? Yeah. Uh, let me say that uh, this was uh, 
this happens quite immediately after that uh, Willem Mauser uh, passed away. Um, we have to uh, clarify already that uh, the um, bank was, uh, for example, Alfred Kaula, that was one of the um, one of the manager of the bank that was uh, supporting uh, Mauser company, Mauser company with with money, uh, was already in the, in the board of uh, of Mauser. And um, when uh, uh, let's say Willem passed away, um, uh, the, the role of, as a manager of Alfred Kaula becomes even more important. And um, Paul Mauser was uh, just a very uh, good uh, engineer, or better technician, because Paul Mauser was not an engineer, but was just technicians. We know that uh, he had a very basic uh, um, school. Yeah, he was just uh, um, studying until 14 years old, and then was just uh, um, working as an apprentice in the royal um um company in in, in Oberdorf. So uh, yes, um, Maus was not a manager, was unable to uh, manage the company alone. So um, this was clear uh, since uh, 1882 when William passed away and become so evident in 1887 when uh, um, the main contract with the Ottoman Empire was uh, set up. Those days, uh, uh, Löw uh, joined Mauser in uh, in this competition to to sell the rifle, the Mauser rifle, to the Ottoman Empire. And Löw play a perfect game with uh, with Paul Mauser. In the end, uh, he convinced Paul Mauser that the best solution for him was to uh, to be the technical director of his own company leave the management of the company to love himself to let's say to uh, managers coming from the love company this is the reason why in the end uh, mauser joined in 1887 the uh, love um, empire let's say because love was really a huge uh, company uh, covering different areas and uh, and then in uh, 1896 uh, when the dwm was set up uh, Mauser was part of the W. So let's say formally from 1887, Mauser became technical director of Mauser, and for this he received a salary. So uh, he got he received a salary from his own company, let's say, plus uh, the royalties of the different rifle and pistol he was uh, producing. Do you do you think that um, Paul Mauser was okay with that arrangement? Do you think he was was fine with just focusing on the technical aspect of firearms and just kind of left the managing you know, to to Lova or, or whoever else? Do you think he was okay with that? Um, no, it was not okay, and it, it is really uh, clear uh, in his uh, diaries and documents. Um, he's accepted this uh, uh, solution. Uh, say. Uh, it was clear that for him was with both, that, but he was always raising, uh, let's say, uh, was also always uh, um, raising uh, issue, and uh, he was complaining with the managers coming from Love, also with Love himself, because he was uh, um, was saying that uh, these managers don't have any clue about how to manage a uh, firearm company. No, he was always complaining about 
but the way these uh, uh, managers were used to uh, to do the business and um, it is um, it is very clear in a, a sentence in a very funny sentence he wrote in one of these one of his diaries wrote that the um, the members of the uh, board of director of mauser they are uh, the, people with plenty of money but a very low skill about how to manage a, a firearm company. This is just to clarify uh, uh, the, the feeling of Paul Mausen, Paul Mauser with respect to the, the managers and the board of directors of Mauser's, Mauser company. It's, it's always a really interesting part of um, the Mauser company history is the, you know, the involvement of uh, Lova in their company matters because most people kind of think the Mauser company is synonymous with Paul Mauser. They think it's like the same thing, but uh, he was really a, an employee of his of his own company for for a very large section of the of his life. Yeah, I would say that from eighteen eighty seven until nineteen fourteen, when he passed away, was just uh, as, uh, one uh, let's say very um, how can say this was just an first-class employee of his own company. Um, by the way, it is also interesting to know that when he set up his uh, contract with the Love, uh, he got also the possibility to live in the, in the house that was located uh, in, the, in, the, um, in the facility of the Mauser company. So just to highlight that uh, also uh, he was living in, in a house that was somehow rent I love Mauser himself. It's quite a funny aspect as well, you know? Yeah. Um, let's talk some about um, Mauser's other family. Um, other than Wilhelm, um, it, it's kind of uh, a good uh, point in your book about how his uh, nephew, kind of confusing, uh, his nephew's name is Paul Mauser II. Um, and cool. sort of... Yes. And, and Paul Mauser II's involvement in the Mauser company. Yeah, uh, this is an, another interesting point. Um, let me say that Paul Mauser II was the son of uh, uh, one of the brothers of uh, Paul Mauser, Erich uh, Mauser. And um, yes, um, for any reason, uh, the, the son of Paul Mauser didn't uh, follow the interest in the in the company, or at least they don't have a main role in the Mauser company. One of the son of Mauser, Max, uh, it be uh, it became a doctor, eh? and um, another um, another son, Alexander uh, Alex Mauser, um, he worked for the company. He worked for the company, but was not uh, um, really reaching any uh, management uh, or high-level uh, position in, in the company. So um, Paul Mauser II uh, was really the person that uh, succeeded uh, to Paul Mauser after 1914. And there is one aspect that is uh, very crucial to properly understand the, Ma the Mauser family the regards with, with the new generation, let's say the son of Paul and Willem. When Willem passed away in 1882, Mauser became responsible, economically responsible, of uh, the widow of Willem Mauser, as well as the kids of Willem, in particular of um, uh, Alphonse Mauser. And um, 
the beginning, uh, most probably, uh, Paul Mauser thought that uh, Willem Mauser, so, uh, his nephew, the son of Willem, become the, uh, the, the, the new generation of, uh, of leading the Mauser company. Uh, but something very strange happens between the two, uh, the two men, Paul and Alphonse. In fact, Alphonse uh, was uh, somehow convinced that uh, his uncle, Paul, was reducing the um, importance of uh, Willem in the design of the rifle Model 71. And this, uh, uh, this specific aspect create huge problems and uh, big litigation. And also um, there was a, a necessity to uh, have a sort of court case to uh, decide uh, that actually Paul Mauser was giving to his brother Willem uh, um, the role in, uh, in the design of the Model 70. Despite this, uh, Willem decided to um, leave Oberdorf to um, to move from the from the city of Oberdorf to stop any relationship with the Mauser company that uh, Paul and Willem set up and he established his own company uh, in a different city in uh, in Kohl in, uh, in Germany and uh, starting from this period the Mauser family split in two different branches one is the one from Paul Mauser, and the other one is the one from Willem Mauser. And they stay, let me say, forever in two. There was no way to, um, let's say, to, to combine again the relationship. And this problem with uh, uh, the, the relationship between Paul and Willem for the Model 71 continue with the, the son of uh, Paul and also with the son of uh, Alfon, Alphonse and uh, was a, a main um, issue that, uh, let's say, um, split into the Mauser family. There was no way to recover the situation. Yeah, some pretty, some pretty interesting aspects going on behind the, and the scenes of, its, the, of the Mauser family. It's almost, you could almost see a, a television show you know, of, the, of the Paul Mauser <laughs> you know, <laughs> family drama and uh, the firearms yeah. aspect and um, it, yeah. I, i'd watch the show i think it'd be really interesting uh, we try to clarify all this in 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 the book you know so i guess that and uh, uh, one person complete reading the the, the, the book about paul mauser uh, he has a complete idea about all this aspect because you know as you mentioned there are lots of collectors lots of mauser enthusiasts and they know maybe all about a rifle or a pistol they don't know uh, much information about the founders of the company. So with this book, I guess it's possible to have a complete overview about the Mauser company and also the life of uh, Paul Willem and the Mauser family. Yeah, and you're, you're, the, the book does a fantastic job of explaining that. Um, let's see, going back to the, uh, to the Mauser archive itself, um, I think we touched on a little bit of the, uh, the history of the, the Mauser archive. Um, if you want to talk some more about that, maybe just... Um, of the maybe some of the uh, people think that the the Mauser archive was destroyed by the by the French, but um, what what's the real sort of history behind the Mauser archive? Uh, yes, um, okay. Um, let me say that uh, um, for sure, uh, 
Mauser archives or better in general the Mauser documentation was for sure uh, partially um, destroyed after the first world war and also and also the second but uh, uh, this was not really impacting too much the amount of information available in the archive in fact in 1955 when the new Mauser the post Second World War Mauser was uh, set up again. Uh, August Weiss, that was, uh, um, let's say, uh, one of the uh, most historical person working for Mauser because he was the main, um, the lead engineer for small arm production starting from 1930 when uh, the Parabellum production was moved from Berlin to uh, Oberdorf. Uh, August Weiss was in charge of uh, managing uh, the Parabellum production as well as all the smaller production in in um, in Oberdorf. And in 1955, he received a task for the new management of the Mauser company. See what was available in terms of archive and documentation from the old days. And we have to say that most of the documents were still there. Uh, unfortunately, there was not, in that period, in that specific period, there was not yet a concept of uh, saving the heritage of the old company. And therefore, uh, most of the documentation, uh, the old documents that were, let's say, not useful anymore for the new company, were destroyed by the company itself. And this was really, uh, really peak. Um, and most of the documents that today we can study were simply saved by enthusiasts or by people of the company and uh, there was no a real interest in saving the heritage of the company. So what we have today is just the, the, the effort of a group of people that during the year to uh, keep and maintain this documentation and uh, what we have now is uh, most probably, um, not a, I cannot say that it is a complete archive, that is at least a nice uh, portion of the original documents that allows us to understand how Mauser was managed, uh, to understand, let's say, all the aspects behind the, behind the company. There is also one aspect that is crucial to analyze, because uh, if, you, if you ask a question like this, or if you want to study today uh, the archive of any and producer in Germany from, let me say, 80-70 until the Second World War, until 1945, the only archive surviving is the one of Mauser. Love archive is gone, DWM, DWM archive is, uh, is gone. So the Paul Mauser archive, and in general, the Mauser archive that, uh, as, a, as I mentioned before, are managed by different uh, uh, bodies, collector and uh, uh, public uh, museum and stuff like that, is the unique uh, uh, archive that can tell us how a gun company in this period from 1870 up to 1945 was managed in Germany. So the Paul Mauser archive has uh, an additional value, not only for the Mauser company, but in general to understand how the Love company and the DWM company were also managed. We have to estimate or we have to think that because Mauser was part of this group, for Love group and then DWM group, you can imagine that the way this company was managed is very similar to the way Love 
and DW, the DWM were used to work. Is a, is a, is a really important, um, let's say, this archive give us a real overview that is not only Mauser related, but is more in general related to gun production in Germany in this particular, in this particular period. Danny? Hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Is the um, has the Mauser archive um, has the Mauser archive maybe found any documents in like the recent like maybe last ten years or so that didn't know existed before then or maybe something that is, was assumed to be lost and was rediscovered? Yeah, there is one aspect that is uh, very interesting that we also highlight in the book uh, is um, you know sometimes we, uh, we we face what we call today fake news or legend. And this is something that is, uh, there is one that is very cool um, about, uh, you know, the genesis of the um, Mauser C96 pistol. Uh, C96 pistol is uh, most probably the most icon pistol um, uh, Mauser designed. And um, the story is that uh, this pistol was designed by the brothers, brother Ederle. Uh, and, um, and, uh, in, in any book of uh, about the C96 pistol, you can read that the brothers Federle developed this pistol, now hiding this development from uh, uh, Paul Mauser. So Paul Mauser was not aware about this development. And uh, when Paul Mauser discovered that the, the Federle brothers that were, that were employees of Mauser developed this pistol, was uh, for sure an epi, but he decided to patent the pistol and uh, to produce the pistol. Yeah, this one is one of the sort of legend that there is around the C96 pistol. Now what happened, what we discover in our uh, documents is something uh, different and is really well explained in the, in the book. So what happened is that, first of all, it is impossible that uh, the brothers Federle develop a pistol without that Paul Mauser was informed. It's because Edel Federle and Paul Mauser, they were good friends and they were also somehow relatives because Fidel Federle uh, uh, got married with the nephew, with the, with the, with the, with the, 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 the daughter of uh, um, one of the, uh, let's say, relative of, of uh, the Paul Mauser wife. So um, it was impossible for Fidel Federle to uh, not inform Paul Mauser about the development of a gun. And there was not real reason to do this because they were uh, collaborating every day in the workshop. There was no reason for Federle to uh, hide this development. Real history beyond this is, uh, we is different and we discovered this while, uh, while doing our researches. Uh, the real story behind is that uh, Bergman uh, another great uh, firearm uh, developer and producer, inventor in, in Germany, designed his own pistol and uh, contact Paul Mauser in order to, uh, let me say, um, ask Paul Mauser to uh, produce the uh, pistol. And for a long time, this, uh, um, let's say, sort of contract or agreement was tap, uh, um, and the Bergman traveled several times to uh, Oberdorf in order to transfer uh, the competence he had 
in, uh, in the semi-automatic uh, pistol production and also in the ballistics and in the production of ammunition to the Mauser company that, on the contrary, was a little bit delayed in the, uh, in the market for the semi-automatic pistol. And um, so Eggman uh, did a sort of transfer of competence to Mauser. And, um, and in, this, in this particular situation, Paul played a little bit nasty game because, in fact, decided to, uh, while Bergman was transferring this uh, competence, Mauser decided to develop his own semi-automatic pistol. And he gave, gave to the Feder, Federle, Federle brothers a task to produce this pistol. So let's say, while Bergman was... Uh, Transferring information to Mauser in order to uh, design his own pistol, Mauser decided to set up his own, uh, the, the, the design of, of his own pistol. This was done uh, in a secret way with respect to Bergman. Uh, so the legend was then created in such a way because uh, when finally uh, Paul Mauser told Bergman, hey, Mr. Moore, in producing uh, your pistol, because we want to produce our pistol. Uh, this story about uh, the secret development of uh, uh, the Federle brothers was created in order to mitigate the position of uh, uh, Paul Mauser with respect to Bergman and this uh, nasty game he played with, with Bergman. This one is a, is a nice uh, story. It still survives up to now and that we uh, finally uh, make this clear. So uh, the brothers Federle uh, were formally tasked by Paul Mauser to develop a secret, the pistol. And uh, this was a way, uh, I repeat, to, uh, let's say, uh, reduce the involvement of Paul Mauser in the uh, production of the pistol, the respect to the role of uh, um, Bergman that was actually in the same time transferring knowledge for about how to produce semi-automatic pistols. This one, a very uh, interesting story. Yeah, yeah, wow. So if I understand, um, hang on, Danny, if I understand, he he invented the story to cover himself so that it wouldn't look like he was stealing from Bergman. Correct. This is a good way yeah, to summarize my, my point. Exactly. Uh, you have to imagine in, in which difficult position Paul Mauser was sitting. Because from one side, Bergman was uh, with the hope of a final production of his pistol, uh, was transferring his information about uh, the uh, semi-automatic pistol he developed, Mauser. And in the same time, in this, at the same time, Mauser asked brothers Federle develop pistol themselves. And uh, at a certain point, uh, Mauser was in a very difficult situation. And therefore, the best way to exit from this situation was to say, hey, Mr. Bergman, I'm very sorry, but I was not aware about the production of this pistol from my collaborators. Now it's done, so I will I will push this pistol, and I not I don't want to uh, produce anymore your pistol. You see in which difficult situation Paul Mauser was in that period. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, wasn't wasn't there a lawsuit between Bergman and Mauser over the C96? And this is very uh, very nice information. In fact, there is a letter. At, uh, um, let's say, uh, a letter that uh, Mr. Bergman wrote Alphonse Mauser. Again, he wrote to Alphonse Mauser uh, just to highlight the fact that, because, you know, we, 
we discussed already that the relationship between Alpha Mauser and Paul Mauser, Paul Mauser was not a good relationship because of um, uh, the story about the Model 71. Willem Mauser was, let me say, against Mauser. Willem Mauser was a good ally for Bergman in order to uh, uh, write to him a letter where Bergman stressed uh, the fact that uh, he had a very bad uh, experience with Paul. And in this letter, mainly, um, say, uh, explain or let understand why he didn't, uh, uh, say, push too hard uh, this, uh, this situation. Because Paul Mauser in that period was already a very famous maker in, uh, in, uh, in Germany. And uh, uh, while Bergman was just an inventor, an inventor that was searching for somebody that was producing his pistol. And uh, let's say, if he starts fighting against Paul Mauser, side effect could be even, uh, let's say, worse than uh, simply accepting the situation and try to find out another uh, company that can produce his pistol. Is the point? I get you. You're saying is is that um, he was stuck because if he fought Mauser... Mauser was so popular and famous that he wouldn't have anybody else that would want to make stuff for him. Sure, yeah. This is mainly, there was a risk that at this point, uh, because, you know, Paul Mauser was already a very uh, famous worldwide uh, uh, inventor, uh, while Bergman was just, uh, not inventor, sorry, uh, was just uh, worldwide uh, uh, user of a gun and uh, leader of a company. While Bergman was just a, a person that was, you know, knocking to different doors in order to find uh, somebody who was producing his gun. Uh, so uh, this can create some uh, negative uh, side effect to Bergman's uh, uh, research of a company. So he was scared to, uh, to fight against uh, this uh, uh, might of uh, Mauser. For this, uh, he decided to, um, to don't go uh, to a court case with uh, with Paul, but uh, actually, um, yeah, he decided simply to, to be silent and carry on uh, uh, the production of his pistol to another company. And um, But the, the frustration he had is really well explained in this letter he wrote to um, Alphonse. I can imagine being extremely frustrated. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. In fact, uh, Paul Mauser made just, I guess, something like ten of the Bergman pistols, something very small, a small number of Bergman pistols. And when uh, Paul Mauser decided to carry on with the C ninety six, he gave back to these ten pistols to Bergman and said, "Okay, we cannot uh, uh, carry on with our relationship. I'm, I'm sorry." And then Bergman, I'm not really an expert in the Bergman pistol, but Bergman out another way to use uh, his uh, well-famous uh, uh, semi-automatic pistol that actually looks not very different from a C96 at the aesthetical point of view. Yeah, uh, the Bergman Bayard like 1910 model does kind of, um, they look similar, yeah. Yeah, they look similar, yeah, and um, yeah. this one is the, the, the story behind, and um, uh, I have to say that this one is the only let's say, negative uh, aspect I uh, realize in the, the life of Paul Mauser, because for the rest, Paul Mauser was a really um, correct person. Okay? So uh, I don't know the, the reason why 
um, let's say, uh, Mauser decided to um, to play this uh, game that was a little bit nasty uh, with uh, with Bergman. Okay, so the the, the, the reason is, is unclear, but this, this is a fact, and uh, we have the evidence with uh, the Paul Mauser documentation, and with the, we have also the evidence with this letter between. Uh, um, Alphonse Bergman and Alphonse Mauser. It is still available, the original copy, and uh, all the story uh, was uh, clearly written by by Bergman in se- by Bergman Bergman himself to uh, Alphonse Mauser. That's that's really that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, what else that I read? Uh, Mauser seemed like it to be a, a really upstanding guy. That's so um, really interesting. It is. Uh, of the aspect of, for example, um, Mauser was uh, uh, really um, attentive to um, several aspects uh, of uh, workers. For example, his setup uh, was one of the first uh, company in Germany that set up a pension scheme for uh, for the work. He was uh, going to the church every every morning before going to the workshop. He um, gave money to several institutions. And so it was in general when when you read this diary, you realize it was a guy that was really let's say um, positive and and uh, was happy to 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 um, help uh, other people around him. Uh, and I, I repeat, the only negative aspect that I see in his uh, in his story up to now is the one that he did with Bergman. For the rest, was in general a very correct. Uh, I liked the the story of uh, how Paul Mauser would uh, he would keep a twenty mark bill, and uh, if he saw somebody that was doing a good job in his factory, he would just hand them this this twenty mark bill. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one again is another evidence of uh, his his way to work. Yeah, you have to imagine that Paul Mauser was really spending his uh, entire life in his workshop, was really working hard in his workshop. He did uh, several other things for sure, mainly when he was, uh, um, say, well, uh, famous. Uh, for example, he had also um, also in the parliament, and uh, he had a specific role as a politician. So he was traveling to Berlin uh, on a regular basis uh, during the week in order to attend meeting in the in the in the German parliament and so on. Despite this was always uh, really uh, attentive to what happened in his uh, workshop. And uh, until the last day of his life, was really uh, working in designing firearms, uh, in uh, setting up contract, uh, and, uh, and so on. So he was um, really attentive to, uh, to the workers that uh, are the main, let's say, core of his, uh, um, his uh, uh, company. And in fact, in, in some documents, he stressed, uh, for example, that, you know, in those days, um, based upon the, uh, the contract were active in the company, the number of employees can change dramatically because when there was a contract, uh, the company uh, reached a maximum number of employees and then these guys were left home when the, the, there was no contract anymore. And, and Paul Mauser was always fighting keep a certain level of uh, um, workers available in order to uh, to keep the skill and the knowledge in the company in order to be able when a new contract will arrive to have all the knowledge to start immediately 
to uh, produce properly uh, properly the gun you know yeah that's a that's a kind of interesting aspect of firearms development and and production was that it's is Mauser work was you know contract based so you know specific right, yeah. countries would would hire Mauser or or Lova whoever to to make guns and yeah the the to a lot of the workers it was almost like um like contract work like they would just would come on to produce this you know certain firearm for a certain country and once that was done you know there was no kind of additional money and that is that is and it's very skilled labor you know i think that we take that for granted and today in the age of cnc machining and everything that you know, a, a lot of this was done by hand a great great deal deal of skill to produce so it was it was definitely important to try to keep some of these skilled employees you know on on staff yes in fact in fact he, he had a very um, core people group of people that uh, was the senior master or i mean sorry the master uh, and maker and uh, these people was always there was always available in the company and um, and these core people was in charge of then uh, uh, let's say transferring the competence a new guy that reached me for a certain period and then they back to another job for a while and then they come back when a new contract was available was this sort of ping pong and um sure this was uh, something uh, uh, typical of several uh, companies paul mauser was very attentive and spent time and energy to have this uh, group of people well trained keep the uh, let's say the skill of the company uh, alive you know if any workers went um like between the factories like or did workers maybe go from like the Mauser factory to the uh Lova or like the DWM factory as, as work contracts came about yeah uh, there's one person that uh, did something like this it's actually uh, Georg Luger uh this is a the story between Georg Luger is very famous he was the designer of the Luger pistol you know uh, say everybody, um, Mauser, uh, Luger, and Borchard. Yeah, Th- these one are the three main. Uh, let's say also Bergman, of course. But when you, when you think about the three uh, weapon designer in the period beginning of uh, 1900, uh, you think about Mauser, Luger, and Borchard. Yeah, and um, there's this interesting story about Georg Luger and Paul Mauser because. Um, when Georg Luger first time joined DWM, better, better, Love Company, because uh, Luger joined the Love Group in um, um, 1892, or four years before the DWM was set up, because DWM was set up in 1886. So Love, um, say, um, Luger joined Love, and uh, uh, as a first job, got from love was working with Mauser in Oberlof. This is something that most of the people maybe doesn't know or is not familiar with this. This because in those days uh, 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 Paul Mauser was uh, competing with Manlicher or uh, t- uh, try to selling the um, to uh, the, the Italian forces to the Italian army Mauser um, the Mauser uh, rifle and uh, uh, Luger help. Uh, Mauser in this specific contract for two reasons. First, 
because before Huger was working for Manliker, so was very well informed about the weak point of the design of Manliker. So it can help in the, uh, let's say, the positive um, aspect of the Mauser rifle with respect to the Manliker. Second point is that Luger was fluent in Italian language and therefore was able to go to Rome and speak with the Italians. Uh, officers and uh, explain and describe the Mauser uh, rifle. This is what happened and in, 19, in 1892. Georg Luger started working with Paul Mauser, and um, the relationship between the two men was not good. Actually, uh, what happened is that uh, the relationship between uh, ended in a court case because uh, Paul Mauser. Um, uh, they uh, complain strongly against Luger because Luger patent some uh, aspect or some uh, technical solution that Mauser was using with the, uh, with the, with his rifle. So Paul Mauser, let's say, got to patent immediately this. Uh, Luger did, and uh, there was a court case. Luger won, and uh, this is a very funny story. Mauser was obliged to pay royalties to Luger for something that was using in his rifle that was actually designed by him. And this created a huge problem with EWM. And uh, the, the, the story between Luger and, uh, and Paul Mauser ended in this way. And then, of course, uh, Luger came back to DWM in, in Berlin. And uh, they worked together for a long time, yeah, because Mauser was working in Oberdorf. We are in uh, Berlin, both under the love management, but the two men were not really, uh, say, friend anymore. Yeah, That's, I found that really interesting in your book, where, where you know, um, went over that relationship with Luger, and I, I couldn't believe that the German court system sided with Luger on that, uh, the thing that he patented. Actually, the details uh, are all described in the, um, in the book. Uh, now I cannot remind by heart all these uh, uh, legal aspects that help Luger in his, um, his uh, um, in succeeding in in uh, in this uh, court case. It was something related to the fact that uh, um, was uh, patenting uh, um, this uh, technical solution. It was actually the third lug. Uh, the bolt action, uh, the third look solution in the bolt action. This yeah. was uh, um, was done for uh, um, uh, rifles that were uh, um, exported, if I remember properly, in, in UK. And then there was a very, let's say, um, clever to play with this. And uh, in the end, uh, won the, 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 the court case. Uh, despite this solution was really already in use, Different design uh, Paul Mauser did uh, in uh, in Oberdorf, and um, yeah, and Mauser was so uh, unhappy, so angry about uh, about uh, this uh, situation. It is also the reason why decided to patent C ninety six himself, not to the WM, to to the company. Uh, Reason was that mainly uh, Love was, uh, um, let me say, having a neutral uh, behavior, a neutral, uh, let's say, um, position 
in these uh, in these court cases what not uh, giving uh, let's say um, was just neutral yeah just watching as a spectator this fight between these two persons and um, and this is something that Paul didn't accept and in fact there is a nice uh, um, document where he's explained the reason why he decided to patent the C96 as a um, in his name instead of in the company name or in the WM name only because uh, because of Luger because uh, he say why I have to uh, let's say uh, patent the, uh, my pistol uh, the pistol that I've designed to the company while you are accepting that one of your employee is stealing to me my design and is actually uh, patenting this in his name so because Luger does this and you accept this, I will do the same with the, with the C96. And uh, I patent to myself. And the C96 will be, will be only produced in Oberdorf. This is why there is no a DWM, uh, let's say, C96. Or, uh, because Mauser decided to patent in his name and to produce only in, uh, say, uh, Oberdorf. There was no incomes, DWM, about the production of the C96. Yeah, that's really, that was really interesting. Um, the German court system sided with Luger, and then how the actual company, you know, Lova sided with Luger against Mauser. And yeah, I do do love that. I, I loved reading that. I laughed um, when I read about how, how Mauser patented the C96 in his own name, kind of held that. Uh, correct, correct, yeah. And this is also interesting because you have to think that uh, because you have to imagine that uh, when Paul Ma- when sorry, when uh, Georg Luger started working uh, on 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 uh, improvement of the Borchardt pistol and then uh, uh, to submit the the Borchardt uh, the Luger pistol German forces for the acceptance in 1904 and 1908 and so on. C96 was already let's say um, passing several tests in, um, in with the with the German forces, and um, and uh, it is evident that at that point, or DWM, because Paul Mauser say no, you never get my pistol. DWM decided to uh, to push Luger and Borchardt to develop an internal competitor because the Luger and the C ninety six were internal competitor because both belong DWM. You see. But uh, because uh, Mauser decided to not cooperate with DWM, uh, Luger was uh, um, tasked to uh, produce and to make perfect the, the Borchard. And maybe, maybe if uh, Paul Mauser was not patenting and was not so strict with the C96 production, maybe the story of the C96 and the Luger as a, as a final, uh, say, firearm solution for the German army was could be different. You see my point? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. It's gosh, it's it's so interesting how just even that little relationship could play in the 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 military, the German military adopting the Luger and what could have been maybe if, if you know, DWM or or Lova was able to produce the C ninety six and. For sure, because uh, yeah, for me, for me, this is explain a lot. Because imagine that if, uh, there was only the C ninety six. I mean, if the C ninety six was not a Mauser production, was like for the rifle, DWM production as well. So DWM can have money 
producing the C96. Imagine if there was a combined effort from DWM and, and Mauser push the C96 96 as a, a service pistol, yeah? There was no need for spending time and energy to develop a Luger, for example. So it is really, for me, there is really a stronger relationship between uh, these, uh, uh, the fact that uh, Paul Mauser say no to DWM, the fact that DWM decided, okay, let's create an internal competitor, so Luger, in order to compete with 96 internally and see which one is going to win. But for sure, because this restriction of Paul Mauser, WM was really pushing the Luger solution because with Luger, it can have money, while with C96, it cannot. So this is quite interesting. Yeah, probably the Luger was, at the, around the time frame, was probably the biggest, the biggest competitor to the C96, or at least, at least in Germany. Yeah, you have to see that, uh, okay, then, then all this is well explained in several books and in several archives. There was several pistols that participate to the, um, to the competition. And also Mauser uh, was pushing different solutions. Initially started with the C96. Then the last pistol that uh, he submitted for testing to the GPK in order to try really to uh, get with his PO8 was the, the model C0608 that is now nowadays very rare pistol because it was only produced a few um, few uh, numbers in a few specimens only for, uh, uh, let's say, um, competing against uh, the um, Luger pistol. But all tentatives uh, that Paul Mauser uh, tried to, uh, to stop uh, the success of the Luger pistol uh, fail, yeah? And um, therefore, we know now that for sure the story is that uh, Luger was able to uh, succeed with, the, with this pistol, while the C96 uh, was just used partially by the forces, you know? Yeah. I didn't realize there was so much um, backstabbing and fighting between the different famous people of this era I didn't even realize they had much interaction yeah. with each other. No, no, this is actually uh, true. I mean, uh, and this is one of the aspects that I like more when I do my study here, because uh, you see um, aspects and the relationship between the people uh, that uh, you don't see uh, or you don't read in, in, in other books because they cannot access only to the original document. They don't see this, uh, this situation. So, but... Sure, uh, um, it is uh, very, very interesting, uh, the, the relationship with, between all these uh, uh, German uh, gunmakers, uh, Mauser, Bergmann, Luger, Borchardt, yeah? They work all together, more or less, in the same period, and they had a uh, different story and different fight, you are right, uh, like Paul Mauser had with his family as well, with Alphonse, uh, his brother, and, and stuff like that. So this is something that is... One of the aspects that they like more in working with their car, because when you just look at the final result, so at the firearm, all this story behind, you don't see it, is it then? Yeah, you just see the manufacture, the, 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 the gun itself. But what I like more, uh, at least because I'm my historian uh, aspect, is really the story behind and the, the relationship between all these uh, people that was uh, working in the same period was fighting or collaborating and so on. This is something that I find very, very interesting. Yes, it is. It's 
this sounds it sounds like I'm just you know pushing your book, but it, it your book is really really good. Explain <laughs> a lot of the backstory behind this. I, I actually sounds do have a question that I don't think Danny prepared you for. If that's okay, um, what? Because I, I I didn't realize that these people all interacted so much with each other, and I'm a big uh, fan of a uh, liquor. Um, and I did Mauser obviously he was the competitor. Did did he have did he express opinions on on him as a competitor? Um, this is an interesting story as well because um, it's also covered in, in in the book. I don't know if you Danny already did the part where I describe sort of uh, um, call this is um, sort of um, uh, oh, I don't have the word with me. Uh, let me think one second. The cartel. Okay. Uh, the cartel between uh, uh, companies. Um, uh, okay, let me explain this. Um, at a certain point, WM, uh, Mauser, Anlicker, and also FN, you know, the Fabrique Nationale in, in Erstal, that was set up to uh, produce rifle model 89 that uh, won the competition uh, in, in Belgium. So this FN company was uh, established and then uh, become part of the, uh, let's say, Love DWM empire as well. What happened at a certain point is that uh, these, uh, uh, these companies decided to create a cartel in order to use competition among them. And then they split among them the different countries. Oh, just to give to you an example. If uh, Mauser was competing in Turkey, Anlicker not, did not compete against Mauser. If Mauser win, Mauser will pay some money to Manlicker because Manlicker did not compete in Turkey. See what, what, what was set up? I see. Oh, yeah. So to reduce the competition between themselves, they would just pay like a like a, a bonus if they didn't if they won the contract. Correct. So they set up a cartel. Nowadays, this kind of cartel, I guess, are forbidden, yeah, because now nowadays the competition is, is free, let's say, yeah. They decided in those days to set up this cartel. So uh, this cartel is well described in the book. You can see really this, uh, the, the description of the, the, the different countries are named in this document in order to say, okay, this country is mine, this country is yours, and if you compete for this country and you win, then you paid me this amount of money because you've not competed, and so on. In the end, this cartel was, uh, was not successful at all because it was so complicated to set up, so complicated to manage, so complicated to maintain in terms of different calculation you have to do. But yeah, in the end, it was on the paper, but I doubt it was really then... Uh, properly uh, set up and really used. But the document itself is in the book and you can read it and you can figure out the way this company were used to work. In That's wow. really interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I didn't really know about the, the cartel between Mauser and, and the Monlicker companies. Um, I knew about a cartel between all the the, the different Mauser companies um, a little bit later on, mm-hmm. um, kind of post, maybe right before um, World War One. 
knew that yeah. there was a, a cartel kind of set up between uh, FN and Bowser and. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. This is really uh, this is really the story, and uh, the, the documents are telling us this. So. Um, document is fully translated, and uh, you can really see um, they decided to go in this direction that was maybe more lucrative than really doing a free competition. So uh, this is what what they did, and this cartel was uh, established for quite a long time, and um, this explains lots of things. Yeah, because um, you can see that uh, maybe. <laughs> Bowser was winning in a con- in a country simply because there was a minimum, uh, let's say, uh, competition from other big companies and vice versa. So it is very um, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Um. One of the, uh, the this kind of goes along with um, one of the questions that that I was going to ask you here is um, mm-hmm. to you personally, what was what was one of the most exciting things that you found out in your in your research about the about the Mauser company? Ooh, there are for sure several. And uh, let me say every time I go through these uh, books, uh, I find something and uh, and I, I'm happy about new finds and whatever. there are so many uh, documents that still need to be analyzed that um, uh, for sure I will find uh, uh, New things and uh, something that uh, make me very very uh, happy. Uh, sure, the the story about the C ninety six that we already discussed before was something that was really interesting and make me really uh, happy because uh, you know the story about the fact that uh, two main collaborators of Paul Mauser are hiding the development of of a pistol so strange. Uh, and when you read the 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 the, the, the fact that Peter uh, Fidele and Paul Mauser spend ten hours, twelve hours a day working together in the workshop, you cannot imagine that Federle go back home and start working in the in the pistol, hiding this to to his good friend Paul. So it was so strange. And when I found out real history of this uh, this sort of fake news set up uh, with 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 uh, with uh, Bergman was something for sure that made me very very happy uh, and there are several uh, uh, aspects that for sure um, for example every time in the sale book I find uh, um, information about uh, um, presentation gun that uh, Mauser uh, produces and and, uh, and present to different uh, uh, important people of the period, uh, king, uh, emperors, uh, or uh, different personalities. This is something that makes me also happy because uh, uh, you know these, these guns are today uh, in collection in big museum. And I find, for example, uh, historical documents that um, uh, historical document that justify or that explain when this pistol was done, the cost, and so on. There are so many aspects to make me happy in, in, in my study. Uh, let's say that because I, uh, most probably the, the, the most interesting one, at least uh, uh, for the gun production, was this uh, discovery about the C-96. For the, um, for the personality of Paul Mauser, sure something that was interesting is discovering this uh, uh, the relationship with uh, Willem Mauser that was not so good as expected. And also, for example, realizing that uh, uh, Paul Mauser was one guy that every every morning went to the to the church before going to work, 
even in one of the, his diary, he wrote that his best uh, day in his life, one when he was uh, received by the Pope in Rome for a private audience with, with the Pope. It's also something that is interesting because you see a certain aspect of the life of Paul Mauser that is uh, unknown to uh, most of the people, you know? Yeah, it's really, um, there's a lot there. <laughs> Understand that that the question I asked is a pretty is a pretty broad question. About, uh, we already talked about a lot of really interesting things. Um, it's it's good to it's good to know that there's still a lot of um, documents that have yet to really been you know dug into uh, mm -hmm. and dissected because that means that we have a lot more to look forward to in the future of you know covering you know new information still. Yeah, for sure. The for sure something that is interesting to do, but is really time consuming. Is uh, studying the sales book. Sales book are uh, are book where um, Mouse, the Mouser company was used to write every day uh, the gun that were sold. Okay, so you have information about contracts, about dealers, and uh, these books are huge. One of these book is uh, the weight of one of these book is around seven kilo. Yeah, for each single book, huge ledger. Um, and uh, in this in this book, the, the, the bookkeeper was just writing each single gun that was sold out and was sorry was sold was uh, uh, shipped to to a dealer or to a nation. And every time you read one of these pages, you get lots of information. Yeah, that's it's a it's a neat part of history. I think a lot of people when they when they think about you know history or Mauser history or anything like that, they sort of think of it as being like it's already done we already know everything we're going to know because it happened so long ago but oh it really is an ongoing process and um and it's and it's great that you know that you guys are, are you know to, with the with the mauser archive are still you know going through documents and uncovering stuff and um follow the uh your your the the mauser archive on Facebook and I see the, the postings that you do and it's really it's really neat seeing these you know uh, original documents and even some really historical firearms that that you post on there it's, it's really nice to see oh, yeah this is something that I like because you know you can have different approach uh, personally I belong to the to the kind of people that want to share information they want to keep for himself information so I found something interesting. Usually, I've read an article, or uh, if there is a material for a book, I've read a book and sharing this information. And just to tell you, uh, uh, in this day, a, a new article, the translation into English of the um, contract between Mauser and the Ottoman Empire for the rifle in 1887 is the first time that this uh, contract is translated. And I'm able to translate this document simply because the original document is written half in, uh, you see, you see the page, uh, one, one page, half of the page is written in uh, Ottoman Arabic language that I cannot read for sure. The other one is written in French, French I can translate. So I'm translating now into English, the original contract, and this will be published later, I don't know where, uh, when. In, um, in USA as well as in other magazines, this will become uh, available. You know, this is something also very, very cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really that's really neat that there's still yeah there's still that stuff going on and it's fantastic. You you guys are doing a fantastic job and and a lot of the stuff that you 
overabundance of information that you guys have is really quite amazing. Um, this just probably sounds like I'm shilling or something, but for the amount of information that you guys put out, you know, and, and even just like for free, you know, in a lot of your posts and articles and stuff like that, um, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, this is something that, uh, yeah, um, should like this. So I'm, I'm quite proud of this, uh, of the study we are doing. And um, the fact that I'm, I'm with you today discussing about what I'm doing uh, is for sure an evidence that there is an interest and um, the researches I'm doing with uh, with my co-author Gerben van Vlimeren, John Speed and all the people, Mark Erickson, all the other people that are, say, sharing with me this, this effort is, uh, is uh, well appreciated by, by you guys. So this is something that for us give energy and, uh, let's say, uh, um, motivation to carry on with our, uh, our research. Yeah. I have to say, as, as a Mauser fan, definitely i definitely do appreciate it and you know, a lot of other a lot of other people that are listening to this also you know appreciate appreciate the work cool good thank um, you <laughs> uh, to go go to another question that um that yeah. i before um you been into like have you heard from or met or anything of any um mauser relatives like recently like are, are there any living members of the mauser family that you know maybe you're still somehow involved? Yeah, Yes. Um, okay. Personally, uh, I was in uh, in touch with um, one uh, one Mauser. Uh, um, you know now the, the the relationship with uh, the Alphonse Mauser and Willem Mauser, but belonged to this uh, branch that we discussed before. So was uh, uh, the name of this uh, um, person was Pedro Mauser, and uh, I uh, I exchange a few mails with this uh, gentleman and I acquired to this gentleman some uh, documents he had uh, in his library about the, the, the family let's say and um, the, and I exchanged a few emails with the, with the, with this person um, about the, the the Paul Mauser branch let's say uh, of the family um, I have no um, information about any uh, surviving uh, uh, relative. Uh, if I remember properly by heart, uh, the last, uh, say, son of Paul Mauser, Alex uh, Mauser, passed away in 1960. And um, I'm not aware about, uh, uh, or at least maybe uh, they are, but they never contact me or they never. Uh, try to uh, ask information about our researches. So the only person that I contacted was this Pedro Mauser that belonged to uh, the, the Alpha Mauser part of the Okay. I, I just sort of assumed with so many um, so many relatives and many uh, children and everything that there would be be at least uh, you know a few a few out there maybe. Yeah, this is could, could be yeah, but. Um, uh, Personally, I had no other relationship with any um, relative of the of the family. Yeah. Okay. Um, going through the, uh, the the questions here, probably I guess we could go back to you. You mentioned some of the some of the people you work with and some of the um the, that you work with with the, the Mauser archive and some of the, your co-authors and everything. Mm -hmm. um, how many people um, would you say are 
of working you know behind the scenes at the at the Mauser archive um let's say that the most active um for sure okay let me say john speed is uh, um my mentor is the person that introduced myself to this study and he's explained to me lots of things uh john speed belonged to uh, another generation uh, is, is uh, let's say belong to the generation of my father okay uh, i'm i'm younger than john so i um because of this uh, I'm I'm more active than John in the social media, for example. But for sure, John Speed is one of the most, uh, let's say, competent, uh, or maybe even the most competent person dealing with this kind of document. And uh, the other people, for sure, there is my co-author Gary Van Vlimeren, that uh, is working with me. Uh, let's say almost every day we are in we are in touch. And um, he, is, he has this ability to be able to translate and to understand the Paul Mauser handwriting notes. And this helped a lot, yeah, because he did an incredible work translating each single page of the Paul Mauser diaries. And uh, we, it's an incredible work, yeah, uh, something very, very cool. And we have another person that is Mark Erickson that is helping us, for example, for the video or for any, uh, let's say, um, activity that is media-related, is the guy behind us that helps us a lot. Then uh, we have a group of people in Oberdorf because we set up a sort of um, a club, let's say, of uh, Mauser enthusiasts. Every year we uh, we meet in, uh, in Oberdorf, usually in July, and uh, we spend time between, uh, uh, between enthusiasts, let's say, and these people are mainly... Um, former workers of Mauser, uh, and um, they are, let's say, uh, the good people to speak about uh, about Mauser. Of course, I'm speaking about uh, the post-Second World War Mauser, the Mauser that was set up in the end of the 50s, and for example, the Mauser that reintroduced uh, Parabellum and the HSC in the, in the 70s with Interarms and so so these people is also helping a lot us, yeah, because they can access or they sometimes I'm asking something, they can go to the museum or they can go to the archive and uh, and find out information and so on. So, uh, but let's say there is not too many people behind us. Yeah, I, I guess it, uh, the 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 real key word about this is passion. Yeah, we have a great passion. We we like what we do, and we invest each single uh, minute of our spare time to this kind of uh, documents yeah it, it, i think there there is definitely a lot of passion with the uh, you know firearms collecting and learning the information everything my wife would would probably explain it for me as a as an addiction or an obsession <laughs> i just constantly love you know reading yeah. stuff speaking of yeah. john Speed, um i i have his book as well on the the mauser mm -hmm. archive that's that's a, yes. that's a really good book as well Yes, yes, yes. This book is also also great. Um, but for sure, what John knows is is much more than what is written in his book. What is also interesting, but is difficult to explain when you are not dealing with these documents, is the the the, the, the relationship between the different documents archives. So there are cr cross link between documents, and you have to know about it. So, reading these documents written uh, uh, more than uh, 100 years ago in Germany, 
uh, in a different period, uh, at the beginning uh, of the production of firearms and stuff like that, is something that re requires certain skill. And uh, John Speed for sure spent a lot of time to understand how all these documents are relating each other and in, in, uh, let's say the, the relationship with all these documents for me was was really uh, important that I spend days uh, I was visiting uh, um, I'm still visiting uh, John Speed quite often and every time I go there I just learned learned lots of there's, there is a lot, a lot to learn in this in the in the military surplus world. Uh, in Mauser, for sure, there is still lots of things to do and to discover. This, yeah. which is which is great because, like you said before, you know, not not a whole lot of other firearms companies and designers and stuff are there still the documents available to you know to read and understand and translate. So um, it's a, it's a great thing that we that you know collectively that still have access to this you know knowledge and information well this for example one thing and back to one question that you asked me before what is the aspect that you one of the aspects that uh, you like more in, in the job you've done up to now like that for sure is uh, is uh, is one of the the, the aspect that more um, that i like more is uh, is the fact that i was able to let's say uh face entire development of, of, of a gun in this particular case the pistol model 1910 yeah from the beginning to the end so, uh, this is very cool and very interesting to discover the different steps internal steps Mauser set up to produce a gun from the initial initial drawings up to the production all single step is described and this is something that is, uh, is really cool, because as you mentioned, explaining the way of working of Mauser, but we can be quite sure that is the way of working also of DWM, Earth, and most probably also of the early FN, it was nothing more than applying the rules that Mauser uh, uh, was, uh, let's say, following the production of the rifle. See, it's so important uh, because uh, um, though we have only one archive that survive, we can have an idea about the procedure and the process the company set up in order to produce a gun. Which, which there is definitely a lot of information just just behind something that seems so small, something that you know most people wouldn't um, wouldn't really assume. But for example, if you ask yourself the question, for example, in which way? It was estimated the cost of a pistol of a rifle in Mauser. As a simple question like this, without documents, you cannot answer this question. My point. Yeah, exactly. There was there was one uh, there was one document that I saw. I think it was in John Speed's Mauser archive book that um, you know this original is a picture of an original document that had the um, a K98K with all the cost. The K98K and the different parts and the stock and everything, right. which is just yeah, nobody would ever know that no, unless survived. Yeah. Without documents, you cannot even start imagining or dreaming how it was done. Yeah, but if you look also in 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 the Paul Mauser book, you will see that we are presenting, for example, what they call what in Mauser we call the 
cost evaluation book for each year. For example, each year they produce cost evaluation book. There was the cost calculation in order to tap the cost for this specific year. And you will see the different aspects that were taken into account in order to evaluate the cost. What is crucial in these uh, in these documents is that name of each single worker, engineer, or whatever employee was working for this specific gun in this specific year is named the salary because the salary was part of the cost calculation. And uh, and in this way, you know, for example, which different year team of people that was working, for example, like I mentioned before, for the piston line 1910. You see what Federle was doing, what uh, 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 Nickel was doing, was uh, uh, Seidel, the father of Alexander, Alex Seidel, father was also working in Mauser. And so, so you can really know the name of the people behind the gun. Not only this, but also in which facility the gun was produced. There were several other facilities in Oberdorf, at least three. And you know in which one was produced a specific gun. This one is, is really uh, unique. Yeah? It's really uh, something that gives to you great insight about the way of producing process and procedure to produce a gun in Mauser. Yeah. Well, um, we talked a little bit before. I think I, I think I mentioned that you know I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan of the Mauser rifles, and um, I know that you you in particular very interested in the uh, the Mauser pistols, and you have you you know you have quite quite the collection of of rare you know and and interesting you know Mauser handguns. Um, did you how did you first get into you know collecting Mauser handguns? How did you first get into collecting maybe just Military surplus in general. Okay, I uh, speaking about something uh, like twenty five years ago. Now that I started my interest with uh, uh, with, uh, with with Mauser in general, uh, let me say that my first interest, like for most of the pistol uh, um, German pistol collectors, started with Luger. So I started my interest with Luger, and then, uh, as you know, uh, Mauser was the biggest Luger uh, Parabellum producer from 1930 up to 1942, and then 1945, 1946 under French control. Then st- they started again in, in 1970, reintroducing the Parabellum uh, for uh, interarms until uh, uh, 1999. Say, so I started with Luger, mainly with the Luger produced by Mauser. And uh, uh, in our researches, we had the big chance to, uh, to meet a person that, uh, let's say, uh, changed a little bit our approach to the study of, of Mauser. It was the professor, Dr. Gminder, who was the manager of Mauser in the 70s, and Mauser started again the production of the Parabellum, was the guy, the main actor in Mauser, that set up original contract contract the Samuel coming interims in order to produce again the Parabellum and the HSC. Okay? This person introduced us to Mauser, uh, let's say, to the, the internal aspect of Mauser. He make available his archive, his documents, and we use these documents to write 
was my second book uh, that I wrote with Gerben van Vlimeren, Parabellum is Back. It is actually the story of the Mauser Parabellum from 1945. If I want to be really formal and, cor- and correct, the 20th of April 1945, when the French occupied Mauser, until 2000, when Mauser was dissolved and was sold to, to Blazer, and, uh, and the, the, the story of the Parabellum, of the Second World War Parabellum, was over, was uh, done forever. And uh, this person, this uh, Professor Dr. Minner, that is a good friend of us now, I meet this uh, great person, gentleman, every, every year in Oberdorf. He's part of our, let's say, uh, Mauser fan club. And this guy uh, introduced us to uh, the Mauser that you don't see, let's say. So uh, the, 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 the internal aspect of Mauser. And uh, he, he helped me and Gerben and the other person to create a network of knowledge about uh, people uh, in Oberdorf. And uh, this dramatically increased my interest with Mauser. And then all the rest uh, is uh, just a consequence, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, I can ask a couple more questions. You can just let me know, like, if you want to answer mm-hmm. them or not. Um, there, are there any uh, Mauser books um, that you are... Know, working on. I know your your last one just came out in 2017, and I know it takes you know, years and years to 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 get one of these coming out. But um, assuming that there's there's going to be more more coming out in the future, and uh, um, I, know, I know your your books are sort of um, you know focusing uh, on like the the Mauser pistols and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Have anything about maybe Mauser rifles or Ottoman um, tract or anything like that coming out? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, until now, let me say that there is no uh, a, a project about this. Yeah, so we don't have a project for uh, a new Mauser um, book. Uh, um, never say never. So maybe uh, discover something, or we are able to collect enough information to um, use another book. Uh, producing a book, writing a book is a, is a huge okay? uh, book like uh, the Paul Mauser one and the Parabellum is back. You have to account around six or seven years of work because you have to prepare all the documents, translate, analyze. It's a very huge. And um, you need to have a great motivation to start once more uh, uh, a project like this because you start now and you know that you will finish in seven, six, seven years big amount of time you know and uh, but okay we see what happened if for sure we found something that is interesting why not we can produce a new book. so far uh, i'm uh, i'm more interested to uh, writing articles um because the article is again something that is challenging because uh, when you write an article you want to write at least for me writing an article means writing something is unpublished, okay? Like, for example, now is a uh, Ottoman contract. It's the first time that this possible, okay? But again, for producing this, uh, uh, this article is months of work because you have to translate the, translate the um, contract. You have to put other historical information around, uh, picture and stuff like that. So also writing an article can uh, take months usually, okay? 
so uh, for now i'm dealing with uh, with articles but i cannot uh, uh, let me say i cannot exclude in the future that uh, a book will will be again available there is no plan so far to know yeah um and i understand that just you know saying you know, writing a book or whatever it's very very uh easy thing to say and that especially with a, a book that has the amount of detail and information in it as you know like a your mauser books i know that's is definitely a long undertaking and years and years of of work and research so um did you did you say something no i'm just listening to what you say yeah no no if uh, if you if you were to have a um a favorite a Mauser firearm. Say, if you could only own like one Mauser firearm, what what would you own? Like, what would you pick out of everything that's your favorite? Ah, uh, yeah, I have I have a dream that I guess will stay as as a dream, yeah, because you know, Mauser, Mauser uh, pistol they are reaching incredible costs nowadays. I mean, for for the for the rare model, yeah. There is one model that is really inspiring me: is the C zero six zero eight pistol. I don't know if you are familiar with this pistol. Yeah. And uh, this pistol is uh, is fantastic to me. Uh, but uh, we're speaking about uh, what? 15, 20 pistols available in the world. And it is uh, very uh, difficult to, to find. And when they are available, for example, now there is one available in, in USA in, uh, in auction. is the number 17, if I remember correctly, from the Paul Rainier collection. collection. Yeah, this pistol reach nowadays incredible cost. Yeah, I've actually I've actually seen that one on on for for sale. I think it was, I think it was like fifty thousand dollars or or something uh, something incredible. Easily, 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 easily fifty thousand. Yeah, this one is more or less the range. These kind of pistols and um, yeah, this this pistol is interesting because of the design because of the. Um, it's really the last tentative of Paul Mauser to compete with the uh, for the against the P08, the Luger pistol, and um, was, Mauser was really frustrated by the fact that it was not uh, not considered what was really not uh, winning the competition. And um, I like also the um, idea in general that Paul Mauser. Um, Mauser was simply, or simply is maybe not the correct word to use, but was uh, mainly moving his uh, expertise from rifle to pistol. And uh, actually, this pistol is, 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 is a scaled-down model of the uh, mechanism used for the C06 uh, uh, rifle. Yeah? And um, therefore, it's a um, really fascinating design. And... Uh, but again, the cost is so high that uh, I can only see a picture of this guy. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting one. Um, one of the one of my favorites, uh, one of my favorite Mauser designed firearms is the the one designed during World War II, the Gewehr Forty One M, which is very interesting because it's a uh, it's a it's a bolt action automatic rifle sort of design. It's an automatic rifle that has a bolt handle that sticks out that you could work it just like a bolt action and huh? that's another really that's another really weird just kind of random random mauser design yeah 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 i mean there are there are some uh of interesting guns personally um you know uh it's this difficult to have a complete overview of the entire 
design in Mauser from the beginning up to the end of Second World War, mainly if you want to consider rifle and pistol, yeah, you have to have an incredible huge uh, knowledge to really analyze in detail all these kind of guns. Um, personally, I, um, I, in the last years, I'm focusing myself on, of course, yeah, to the early, uh, early design of and, um, really the period that covered the life of Paul Mauser. From 80, uh, let's say, from 80s, Enoris Mauser uh, rifle are from 8062, 8063 until 1914. I'm really focusing in this one. And believe me, there is already in this in, in life, the Paul Mauser life in 70 years, a lot of things to discover and to study. You know? Yeah, yeah, there really is. There is a lot. Um, one of the one of the time frames um, that kind of interests me a lot with the with the Mauser uh, company is kind of the the very end, um, the the short post war period of the of the Mauser company. Um, a lot of times I think of it as sort of like the, you know, the, the death of the, of the old, you know, Mauser company, um, or at mm -hmm. least maybe the, the transformation of the, the Mauser company. Um, you could, you could probably argue that after Paul Mauser died, maybe that the, uh. the Mauser company became something else, but yeah, the, 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 the French occupation and using the factory is, is uh. um, I, I uh, for example, this uh, the um, um, story of the uh, French occupation of Mauser is really well detailed in my um, Parabellum is back book. Because it's not only about Parabellum, but when we start analyzing the French occupation of Mauser uh, from the twenty of twenties uh, uh, of April nineteen forty five until, uh, let's say, uh, the second half of '46, when then they stopped producing guns in Mauser. If you are interested in this period, you should find uh, lots of information in, in, in um, this book, because it's a very limited period. We are speaking about uh, less than two years, but uh, we have uh, detailed lots of information. Those days, I was really doing researches in, uh, in French archives. And um, and uh, I found lots of unpublished information uh, about the production in Oberdorf, but also the production in France. Because, as you must probably know, uh, at a certain point, the Russians complain uh, against the French, saying that, okay, you cannot use the Reich companies to produce Gun in Germany. This is against the Allied, uh, let's say, agreement. The French did. They simply move entire, uh, uh, let's say, tooling, also the staff in France, different arsenal. They continue the production. And what, what you find also in this book is the production of Parabellum, production of P38, and so on, and also rifle in France, using spare parts coming from Oberdorf. This one is also an um, interesting part of my researches I have done for this, uh, for this book. Oh, that's neat. I, yeah, I, I had no idea that, that all of that information was in your, your Parabellum book. Wow. Yeah, yeah, because, because, you know, with the fact that uh, the Parabellum was uh, uh, assembled again in Mauser from uh, 
May, June uh, 45, because they start producing around uh, one month, 40 days after they occupy Oberdorf and Mauser. So, uh, you know, there is a continuation in the, in the, the, in the production document of Mauser. You, you, you see that they stopped the production in um, March, April. There was the occupation, yeah. But uh, uh, already, uh, end of April, beginning of May, production started again. And the PO8 was again used from the tons of spare part they have available over there. And uh, but these documents that we present in the book is not only for PO8, but is the entire production of that period. So you will see the production of uh, say rifle, pistol, and machine guns as well. Wow. Okay. That's that's really interesting. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pull that book up. I think. So <laughs> you have both of them, you see. <laughs> uh, well, if I if I have you know two of your books, I might as well just buy the third one then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the third one is is in Italian, so I don't think that is really helping you too much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a uh, there's a there's a joke um, about about um, languages. So um, if you speak if you have three languages, you're huh? trilingual, trilingual, trilingual languages speak two languages you're bilingual you speak one language you're american okay (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. you could speak and read these you know their languages for to go along with your research to help out Ah, yeah yeah this is something yeah yeah my my big concern is that uh, my my german is um, not good we say and but because I'm working always in cooperation with my good friend Gerben. Um, yeah, I, I solved this problem because Gerben is mainly working with the translation and stuff like that. Yeah? So we share the effort. Yeah, he's mainly translating the documents, and I put all the documents together and I create the overall picture of what is going on. You know? Yeah, that's great. That's a that's a great way to work together on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While I'm I'm fluent in French, so uh, for example. Uh, all these researches I did in um, the archive was just easy for me because uh, I uh, speak French as well and read French as well. So I was able to translate and to read these documents without any effort. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's really great. Yeah. Getting, getting to a point where I'm starting to run into, you know, a lot of documentation and stuff in, in other languages um, mm-hmm. for, for various firearms that I'm trying to, to cover. And it's, it is, Language barrier is, is a real thing. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Well, and, Something and that, as I've said, I've, I'm a huge fan of Monlicker, and the issue for me is that I don't speak German, so I I cannot read much about him. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This one is one of the main uh, one of the main issue. When you add uh, to the to the language, also the other uh, problem that we had the uh, with the fact that the most of the Mauser documents we are dealing with written in the old German, okay? And when they are written in the old German, is that uh, current Germans cannot read the old German, or they cannot, they, they have difficulties in, in reading the old German. To imagine the great effort uh, Gerben did in order to translate uh, from the old German to the new German, and from the new German to English. And, uh, uh, um, yeah, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, uh, we've had Othias from CN Arsenal on here too, and 
He said the other issue is, especially with um, firearms and technical people like Paul Mauser, is that they, they write very technically and it's very boring. So you have to like mm-hmm. dig through to find like interesting stuff in because they they're not writers they're technical people so it's sometimes very difficult just because it's so boring to read it to get through mm-hmm. to the interesting stuff yeah, this, is, this is also true because they were really um, detailed and sometimes they are spending lots of uh, uh, ink to describe aspects that uh, nowadays for us maybe they are not so interesting or they are referring to things that we are not getting at all maybe for example they are describing how to use a specific tool that you don't know. So you, you are absolutely right. Maybe to read 10 pages and uh, the, 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 the valuable information in these 10 pages that you can reuse nowadays, just few lines. Sure, yeah? So this is for sure also an aspect that um, is part of this uh, uh, effort that I mentioned before to do, uh, to do a book or to deal with this kind of, uh, of documents. That's true. And I know from personal experience that a lot of these, you know, government documents can be very dry, very dry. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's, it's great work that you guys do. Like, like you say, you know, even just translating from what looks like German is really old German. So it's perfect to translate something twice, you know, maybe even oh, three times. Yeah. 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 And the, the, okay. There's also funny aspect, for example, you know, that, um, Mauser was uh, seriously injured by uh, when he was uh, testing one of these uh, one of his uh, self-loading rifle, and because of this, uh, he, he lost one eye, and uh, also his uh, his hand uh, uh, was uh, seriously damaged by by this. And you can realize this in his handwriting. So there is a handwriting before the accident, the handwriting after the accident. You have to become familiar with this. And uh, another thing that is very uh, interesting is that, for example, Paul Mauser was used to write the train. Yeah, when he was traveling from, for example, Oberdorf to uh, to Berlin. When he was writing on the train, it was really difficult. And it was even difficult to read from himself. So sometimes he was writing the entire page, the next page. See what I'm saying? And what happened is that you spend, my colleague, spend hours try to figure out to translate a page written on a train with a horrible calligraphy and uh, turn the page and read the other page is nothing more than the previous page written properly (laughs) you see so you spend one day translating one page that was horrible written during when traveling on the train and then Mm -hmm. arriving in the hotel he wrote down properly in the next page then one day, uh, one day later, you start with the second page, and you realize that it's actually the same page like before, but you can translate in half of time because it's written calligraphy that is better. You see? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you have to run into that multiple times too. Oh. You know, to rewriting stuff. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Paul Mauser's accident, um, that section of the book, you know, I was I was reading it, and uh, I read it aloud to my wife. And you know about how he 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 just thought he was fine, and he just went home and didn't seek medical treatment. You know, it was just probably like, oh, I'll I'll be fine. I read that to my wife, and she's like, that's such a guy thing to do, such a man thing. 
just be like, oh, I'm fine. It must have been bad. Like the damage must have been bad. Yeah, yeah, true. Just I he just had, thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, for sure. He, he had a serious problem. This this accident, by the way, changed totally his perspective about safety. No, and uh, and uh, since uh, this accident uh, in 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 the company and also with the rifle design and so on, it's much more. Um, uh, sensitive the safety aspect of of the gun and also of the test it was used to do in uh, Mauser, you know so there was lots of uh, let's say positive uh, side effects after that this accident happens and uh, Paul Mauser spent a few days uh, even weeks if I remember properly uh, with this horrible pain uh, for the eye uh, hoping that uh, was uh, you know recovering without any any problem actually was uh, uh, his son max that visited him and decided to go to a specialist and then uh, uh, from there he was uh, say the suggestion was to to remove the eye because there was no way to save the eye and uh, if he keep the eye like this uh, there was a risk for for the entire life because uh, you know was just um, not good at all. You know was just getting worse and worse. Yeah, probably of an infection and stuff too before my body. Yes. Wow, there's there's so much there's so much to every every little story with Mauser. It's very it's very interesting. Um, you do a good job of making a lot of it. Um, you know, entertaining in your book because i read quite a bit of it to to my wife um we were we were sitting out uh, by the pool the other day and i had your book and i was i just mm-hmm. read it aloud to her and she she enjoyed some of it too okay good, good. Good. <laughs> yeah. this is something that i told you as i told you before is one of the the aspects that i like more so um let's say describing at the same time uh, the, the the gun design and uh, the private life of paul mauser this uh, this uh, uh, combination of the two things uh, is is uh, somehow unique, and uh, I guess that most of the people can appreciate this. Yeah, true. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, if mm-hmm. you need to, if you need to go, we can we can wrap this wrap this up. Because uh, my local time here is seven forty, so I guess that uh, done enough for uh, for today. If you wish, I'm always available. If you want to do something more uh, later on, but um, I do believe that we touch uh, uh, enough point. I'm quite happy about uh, all the topics that we um, analyze for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. Um, would mm-hmm. definitely like to like to have you on the show again in in the future. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, yeah. to come up with some more uh, questions. Maybe I'll get some. Uh, questions maybe from some fans or, or listeners on, on what they want to ask and uh, mm-hmm. thank you thank you so much for coming on you you've been you have a wealth of information that just you know the the average you know, collector or, or shooter wouldn't wouldn't really know so it's been it's been really fantastic having you on i'm, I'm, I'm happy and uh, as i told you before uh, i'm so happy when i can share my uh, information my uh, my knowledge so free to uh, contact me anytime if there is any question about uh, Mauser, Paul Mauser and uh, and so on. I all, I'm always available and happy to 
to, to share and participate to this kind of uh, uh, activity or event. Yeah, thank you. yeah, thanks so much. And to the listeners, um, if you are interested in, in uh, the Paul Mauser archive or, or anything related to um, that, um, you can just you can Google the Paul Mauser archive. You can find uh, you can find your your website. Um, also, you're on Facebook, so you can just search for that. Yes, on I have to be honest. Uh, I'm much more active nowadays. Facebook page and uh, yeah, with Facebook is much easier than uh, um, with the website. So I have to be honest. Uh, the website is uh, less up to date than uh, the Facebook page. So you find more in the Facebook page. It's also much easier. To uh, interact with me, uh, just asking something or to you know, it is uh, much more dynamic than through a standard uh, web, uh, web page. You know, so I suggest that if people want to reach me or want to follow me, to, uh, to use the uh, Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you also have a, uh, a YouTube channel. It's uh, Paul Mauser Archive on yes. YouTube. And, yes. Uh, you have some really, really good videos on there. So that's that's also some, you know, a wealth of knowledge for, for anyone to check out. This one, as I told you, is mainly Mark Erickson that is behind this and is, is the guy that is familiar with the video and stuff like that. For sure, we are not producing videos on a regular basis, only when there is something that uh, think is, is interesting to, um, let's say, um, propose or to... Uh, share as, as a video so we we are not like other people that is producing video on a regular basis but uh, when happens uh, you will find information on the facebook page and then you can see the video for sure yeah yeah be great yeah i'm i'm subscribed to to the channel so i'll, I'll be looking forward to to seeing future future content absolutely absolutely so uh, guys thank you so much for your uh, um, interview uh, for your for your time so um, please, free to contact in the future for other um, interview. I'm always available, okay? Okay, sounds so good. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. Yes, thank you very much. So welcome. Okay, so uh, we are closing now, okay? Okay. Okay, thank cool. you. Thank you.